Show Thursday edition, first uh, show of the year, and uh, I got to tell you what, it's pretty cool to have your first show of the new year, and the governor of the state sits across from you. How you doing, Governor? Well, I'm doing great, Dave, and I want you to know it's pretty cool for me as governor to sit here across from you on the uh, first day of the it's new year. Kind of nice, isn't it? And it's like the second day of the new year. Well, not the new year, but for the show uh, of having Rush. Now here at 101.1 FM, the answer. So Congratulations. That's good. That's a good thing. Well, 2020 is going to be a good year. I'm very optimistic about it. A lot of challenges ahead, but we had a great 2019. So uh, uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I won't tell you how many decades uh, I've been engaged in public service or uh, the private sector supporting the public arena. But Glad to be with you today. So I, I will tell you this is that I'm excited. As you can see over my head, we just put up the new banner today here in the studio because this is the year that we're going to reelect the president for another four years. Uh, president Trump, a great banner. Keep America great. I That's love right. that. And uh, I tell you, I've been doing a few interviews on uh, a, a different topic, which is uh, uh, the um, potential uh, impeachment trial in washington i so, was going to call katie and see if you'd come on and talk about that sometime since you were a manager back at, during the clinton trial i was indeed so 20 years ago uh, i was uh, presenting the case to the united states senate uh, and uh, if they would just simply and i think uh, uh, senator mcconnell wants to do that is adopt the same rules that we had during the uh, clinton uh uh, impeachment, which was bipartisan adopted, and uh, it uh, allowed for two weeks of presentation, and uh, and then we actually did. Then you determine whether the case proceeds at that point. So we'll see which direction they go. My guess is that they they'll do everything to slow everything down, as they've already done. Well, the the Democrats. Yeah. Well, well I mean, I've I've been astounded. I've never seen anything like this, that the House votes to impeach and uh, Speaker Pelosi sits on it uh, and not delivering the articles of impeachment. That's like charging somebody with a crime and saying uh, this is going to hang over your head. We're not going to give you a day in court. Right. So uh, that's amazing. Uh, but let me be clear that uh, the American public and the United States Senate through history has indicated impeachment, removal from office of a president is a very, very high bar. And uh, in this instance, uh, there's nothing that uh, has been presented to the House that justifies that. Uh, There ought to be a quick resolution of it in the Senate. All right. Governor Asa Hutchinson is our special guest here this half hour. We're glad to have him here. Uh, I will tell you that a lot of people have a lot of questions on the refugee question, and so... I'm, can I move to yeah. talking about that with you and just start uh, with it? The first question that seems to be on everybody's mind is that you were very adamant back in 2015 about refugees and now seem to have uh, 
changed some on it. Can you can you talk about how that change came about? Actually, I remember the occasion that I was in Japan uh, recruiting uh, industry for Arkansas, and and all of a sudden uh, everything was uh, very concerned here in Arkansas about Syrian refugees coming here. Wasn't it Hot Springs that they wanted to bring them, if I'm not too, Well, no. there's a lot of rumors going around. And yeah, I think Hot Springs was part of that. And uh, so I jumped on it and said, uh, you know, we uh, do not want uh, the Syrian refugees. Uh, under the current circumstances, I would oppose Syrian refugees coming here. But that helped me to get engaged in it. And you ask, well, what's changed? Well, what changed is President Trump. Okay. And, and President Trump came in. And what we re- recognized as governors back in 2015 was that we had no visibility, we had no information on refugees coming into our state. It was a federal decision that was made that we only found found out after the fact, and we had really little information on it. And so uh, whenever President Trump came into office, uh, governors made our case to him, we have to be involved in this decision-making process. Uh, and secondly, I was very concerned about the background checks for refugees that came. Uh, and it wasn't just simply about Syrians. It was about the overall context of lack of information and uh, the fact that the, there was inadequate checks, in my judgment, at the time. Well, since then, President Trump has reduced the number of refugees coming to the United States down, I believe, it's to 18,000. Uh, nationwide. Yeah, before it was 110,000. Yeah. Well, exactly, exactly. And he reduced down to 18,000, which gave our officials time to do adequate background checks on them and and increase the process where it's very, very thorough. And then secondly, President Trump, by executive order, said governors have to be involved in this decision. And so President Trump gave governors what we asked for. And uh, with that, uh, that's what's changed. President Trump has allowed this process to change, tighten up the security, reduce the number, and uh, that was a key factor to me. All right. Then the question that's kind of a corollary question is that, uh, and this was asked by some state senators as well, is that they were not even notified that this was going to be happening. A lot of them found out through social media or constituents calling them which they weren't happy with. And I'm just wondering, what was the thought process? I understand that the president dropped this in governor's laps, but it would seem to me that, you know, communication with the Senate and the the House would have been a good thing to do. Well, it's always a good idea to communicate with the uh, General Assembly, and I make it a habit whenever I do something that uh, could create some controversy is to notify the leadership. And so uh, before... Uh, this was announced. Both the Speaker of the House and the Senate pro tem uh, were advised of uh, what we were doing, as well as a couple committee chair as well. Uh, I don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't as a habit call 135 members. We follow that leadership mm-hmm. change. Uh, but also, uh, the President Trump, you know, does not require a law to be passed. It simply is an executive decision. Uh, and so working with the White House is how this decision came about. Some people ask, well, why did it happen on that, on the, like the day before Christmas? Well, this is how it came about. I was actually at a Republican governor's meeting, meeting with other governors, and this was a topic of conversation. 
And uh, as we reviewed it, I recognized that many other Republican governors had already acted on this and approved refugees coming into their state with the new requirements. There had been significant briefings that I was engaged in as well on on the level of security. And so as a result of those discussions with Republican governors across the country, you know, I came back and focused on this more and uh, uh, recognized that uh, the security is in place. All of these are legal. Uh, this is uh, not someone who does not have legal authorization to come to the United States. And uh, with that, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that there was support in the local community in which the refugees might be located. And so with that, uh, I went ahead and sent my letter to uh, the president uh, saying that Arkansas, uh, with these conditions, would accept uh, the refugees that uh, are uh, allocated, which I believe in 2020 will be about uh, between 50 and 70. Okay. Do we know where they're coming from? We approve the uh, authorization for refugees to come here, and we only know where they're coming from based upon experience. And the experience that we've had is that uh, they come primarily from African nations that are Uh, war-torn. Congo is an example of that. Rwanda is another example of it. That's the bulk of who we get. Uh, I believe we've also had uh, uh, one or more from uh, South America or Central America. And then uh, there could be from the Middle East region, but generally that would be uh, someone who was under persecution because they cooperated with the United States of America. Could be someone in Iraq that cooperated with us and they're at great risk. Or it could be somebody from Syria that cooperated with Uh, our United States Armed Forces uh, in uh, our operations there, or it could be from Afghanistan of people who cooperated. I look at that as that we have an obligation, just like uh, whenever we accepted uh, refugees coming from Vietnam after the Vietnam War. Now, obviously, this is a number that's less than 100. Uh, I think last year we had about 70 that came in. This year we're looking at about 50. Uh, And uh, but that's the information I have based upon history and experience as to where they would come from. How about money that's going to directly impact the, the citizenry of Arkansas? How much will this cost the state? Uh, the zero. Uh, okay. So the refugee resettlement is not covered by any state dollars. Refugee resettlement is uh, covered by federal funds, that's allocated to the sponsoring agency as well as private dollars that are raised to help them in the transition. Now, just like any other uh, legal person that's in the United States, they do have access to uh, support. Uh, So they could have children that go to school. And so you could argue that, well, there's a cost to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, uh, they could have, after they get employment, if, uh, if they are not making sufficient funds, they could have access to some of our other uh, support, which is primarily federal dollars. If it's Medicaid, there's a small, uh, there is a, a certain percent of state got dollars that would go to it. But the resettlement efforts is fully paid for by federal funds, 
as well as by private dollars. All right. We'll come back, talk further with the governor in a moment. This is Dave Ellswick's show. We'll be back in just a few. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have Rush back here at 101.1 for the simple reason that for 10 years, he led in my show at another station I was at where he used to be. He's following you. Yeah, well, he got yeah, he got kicked to the curb like I did, and now he's now we're back together again. Oh, that could be that could be trouble for some people. All right, the governor's on. Governor Asa Hutchinson is here with uh, me in the Dave Ellswick studio, which is uh, a Republican studio. I can tell you, is that not true, Governor? Is it not a Republican studio? I consider it Republican and conservative. <laughs> <laughs> it is seriously conservative. Katie is here too. Katie Beck is here. She's sitting over to my. My right, and it's good to see you, Katie. Are you having a good New Year so far? You glad to be back home? You are okay. That's good. Love that. I still have my Hillary sticker up. No, it's not pro. Okay, and just for the up. audience, uh, Katie is my Katie Beck is my communications director. Yes. She was in Washington, and we're delighted to have her back to Arkansas. Well, she is back home where she has wanted to be. It's nice to visit Washington. I would not want to live there at all. Uh, I concur with that. A week is fine. After that, don't want to be there any longer. We've been talking to the governor about the uh, the refugee movement that's going to, to occur. Do we know the, the dates of when the refugees will arrive? Uh, no. Uh, they expect over the course of the year, I think it's 54, that they've been allocated for 2020. And so that's uh, really uh, dependent upon uh, the federal agencies and Canopy, which is a sponsoring organization. And, of course, you have to remember that, you know, there's families that are here under previous authorizations. This is just the first time they've had to have the approval of the governor. Okay. And so that is really the key difference. They had, I, I believe, 70 that was relocated last year, 50 that's anticipated uh, this year. And I've mentioned uh, the sponsoring organization. Let me talk about that, if I Go might, right just ahead. for a minute, that – uh, the actual application to bring in refugees comes from the sponsoring organization, which is Canopy, which is uh, really uh, an organization reflecting uh, various churches in northwest Arkansas. And uh, they see this as a ministry, uh, as a service to uh, those that are in great need and reflecting the great the values of our country. And so they uh, bring them in. They help them to get jobs. They uh, make sure they get the training that they need, help them to assimilate, which is so critical. If we're going to have people from other countries come here, we want them to, to assimilate into our society. And so that's their responsibility. And that's why, you know, they're not relocating them to South Arkansas or East Arkansas or Central Arkansas. It's really a Northwest Arkansas uh, Central organization that works out of there now after time they can go elsewhere but that's where they're they're first uh, going uh, and so uh, canopy is a uh, good organization that we've had good experience with and i was very impressed with a number come in that within six months they're employed they have an income they're paying taxes that's what we want to see from the refugees that come in all right so is this just up in the fayetteville area at this time uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, whenever uh, the sponsored organization is located there, they bring them there. And that's why uh, I wanted to make sure that there was support from a local community. And so uh, Springdale uh, has just uh, sent a letter saying that they would support this uh, ministry of canopy as they bring these refugees in. Fayetteville has written a similar letter. And so 
Uh, under the president's executive order, uh, the governor has to sign off on it, but uh, both under his order and my principles, I want to make sure local communities buy into it as well. And so if there's a local community that says, no, we don't want to participate in that, Canopy's not interested in trying to bring and partner with that community. Uh, that's why it's Springdale, Fayetteville right now. I expect that there'll be other areas. I had a good conversation with two county judges, uh, both Republican, uh, mm-hmm. there in Benton and Washington County. And, uh, you know, they understand what's happening here and uh, just want to make sure they had all the facts and, and uh, information that they needed. They're going to be good partners in it as well. I want to go back to, I had asked about contacting the Senate and, and the House and the members of those two uh, different organizations. And you said you talked to the majority leader of the Senate and then you talked to the Speaker of the House. So evidently the Speaker of the House and the majority leader didn't talk to the rest of their caucus. Uh, that's, I, I don't know to the extent that they had communications, but that's the normal process that we follow whenever I make an announcement. Uh, and this happens frequently and we call, you know, the, the Senate pro tem, the leader of the Senate, and then the speaker of the house. And we usually call a couple committee chair, you know, if it's an education issue mm-hmm. or, or whatever issue. And so, uh, that's just the communication that we follow, uh, you know, if we can do better, we want to be able to improve it, but I can't, uh, well, being formerly in the military, it sounds like the way we would have done things. That's the chain of command. We try to follow. That's exactly. I mean, you, you go through a chain and if the part of the chain breaks down, that is a problem. So I'll be giving a call to a couple of people <laughs> okay. and talking to them. Did you happen to think about calling the rest of your caucus, you know, and see why they didn't? Because well, evidently they didn't. Well, I, I don't know. They, they're usually very good about communicating, and sometimes they make the judgment that, well, this is an executive decision. You gave us a heads up. You know, we notified the committee chair, and and so you never you ever know about that. But we always want to improve those those communications. Okay. Uh, what about? Uh, is there any kind of security system set up? I mean, I understand that these are people. These are people who have been vetted, but do we have anything set in place so that? We are notified if uh, anything happens with one of these people. They, you know, they don't do what we think they should be doing or whatever so that uh, the state knows what's happening. Great point. Previously, under the Obama administration and under before this executive order was entered, we had absolutely no visibility on that. And we've created a new scenario that that's exactly the kind of information flow I expect and want. Uh, for example, the authorization that I've given goes for the year 2020. Okay. That is a one-year authorization. So during the course of that year, I expect to have information and be able to analyze, uh, you know, how many have been employed, how are they integrating, any issues there, any law enforcement issues. And based upon that experience, I can make a good judgment for the following year and whether we need to do things differently, whether we need to end the program or we just need to tighten it up some. Uh, and so that is the great thing about what uh, President Trump did in signing that executive order. He gives the governors and the local communities the visibility we need to make sure that we're protected, to make sure that uh, you know we do everything we can to make sure that uh, the law is followed and that they get jobs and that they're, they're assimilated into our society. Uh, last question on this, and, and that is, uh, 
What kind of blowback have you had about this? Uh, we've had some. We've had some. Uh, you, you, uh, our front office has had uh, two or three calls. When I was leaving today, I had another call. Much of it is based upon misinformation. For some reason, people think, well, illegals are coming in. Mm-hmm. Or they think it's going to be like the Cuban uh, crisis in which uh, we had thousands and thousands that were let out of prison in Cuba that came in here. Uh, this is not the case, obviously. They're all legal. And uh, there's a, a good process here uh, as to a limited number that is coming uh, that I believe it reflects the best of Arkansas, it reflects the best of, of America in our compassion, but also uh, our democracy that uh, we want to be able to recognize immigrants as the strength of our country, the vibrancy uh, that gives us life for the future. And, uh, and so I think this is a small part of that. Uh, I'm grateful for, I mean, you look at other governors from, from Oklahoma uh, to uh, Louisiana have all signed on to this. We did our part. All right. We're out of time. The news is next. I'll be back with you in a moment. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 